Race Hard Parking, sponsored by Wright Honda and Wright Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. As always, I am your host, Jay Finning. If you guys listen to my most recent episode where I talk to John and Marcus, fellow podcasters, friends of mine, great people, but I titled it Pride, the LGBTQ plus conversation. And what I think happens is when people see that, People are one of two ways. Either you are interested or you're guarded and have no interest. And from a podcast perspective, it shouldn't matter. And and that title should draw you in. And that's one of the things we were kind of talked about last week is people are so guarded, they don't give anything a chance. One of my friends, longtime friends, a little older than I am, had mentioned on my J Travels page, I had posted a clip of John talking about acceptance. And we're not asking people to do this. We're not asking people to do that. We just want people to respect who we are as people. And my friend's response was, she said, and I quote, maybe John needs to quit pushing the agenda. And my response is, well, we covered that in the conversation. And I I offered my own additional thoughts on the actual podcast. I do my intros and outros differently between YouTube and the Pure Podcast. And she said, well, I'll go back and listen to the actual podcast, which probably hasn't. I don't care if they are A, B, C, D, E, F, G, just tired of people who make an issue, month, reason to discriminate, et cetera. Can we all just be people without a label? And that's exactly what Marcus, John, and any sensible person is trying to say. But one thing about that episode, it speaks to the range of what this podcast is. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, thank you. I think you should stick with it. You listen to three, four, or five episodes. You kind of go through and pick like a like a menu of what topic you think might interest you. You never know. One of my favorite shows is Dan Lebetard's show with Stu Gotts. They used to be on ESPN. Now they're doing their own thing. And one of their their slogans is you get the show or you don't get the show. And you can't drop in usually and hear one episode and be hooked. It might be that episode or You might have to listen to a few episodes to find out kind of what it is I try to do around here. Longtime listener gave me this email because I'm always asking. I'm always saying, hey, guys, I'm not quite sure. I always struggle when it comes to describing what this podcast is because it's a little of everything. And there's a saying that says, if you're you're good at everything, then you're good at nothing. And I don't disagree with that. Everybody needs a focus. Maybe my focus is my personality. It's not cars. I don't know shit about cars, but I know enough to talk to you guys from an everyday friendly approach to where we can all kind of understand what it is we do. And so coming up on this episode, Devin was in studio recently. He forgot to mention, and we were talking about renting cars, but he forgot to mention that he has another Instagram page where he talks about the cars. It's rent and review. So he's going to be on and we're going to talk about one of the cars he's rented recently. I'm also going to give you guys a lot of car news, but I try to make the car news for the everyday person. But every once in a while, I have earned the right to do a car-centric podcast, and this is one of those episodes. But anyway, I want to read to you guys this with regards to what this show is. And the title of this email is, I owe you this. I'll read this. I told you a while ago I've been trying to define your podcast, and I think of it like this. It's the opposite of Seinfeld, 
Instead of a show about nothing, it's a show about everything. You don't focus on one single subject, but you also tie everything together in a way that is relatable. It's rare for an episode to be centered around cars lately, although in the early time, I'd argue probably since day one, off and on, maybe early on, but religiously, this is a podcast that this individual listens to, as is the case with many of you, but some of you may be relatively new, or some of you, again, this may be your first time. Anyway, getting back to this, but cars are kind of a great unifier, at least for most of us. We all need one or use one. We don't all know a ton, but some of us are experts. Cars have helped expose you to many people, and they make excellent guests. While some have really detailed stories about cars, most are totally relatable. My first car, my dream car, my rental car. I especially love the Subi people. She drives a Subaru. Yes, I did say she. I do have female listeners. But you use those connections to start conversations, she continues. In many episodes, it really made me stop and think. Mental health, social injustice, shared childhood memories or trauma, sports, life goals, work, nothing is off limits. You have a genuine connection with everyone that comes on the show, and this is obvious to the listener. And you're great at building connections with listeners through your personal stories, your guest stories, and the occasional car story. I am forever grateful for the episode where I learned about 988. I shared that information with my daughter immediately and has helped her. I truly enjoy the show. My neighbors probably think I'm nuts because it often makes me laugh out loud. You know, I'm usually listening while I walk. I tell people about you and your show all the time, usually because during a conversation, something I heard on the show is relevant and worth repeating. And I think that's why you have a good thing going when people talk about it. Keep up the good work. How about that? Now, I need to condense that and then make that the description to this show. So thank you for the kind words. This isn't easy, like I always say. And there are times when I'm just questioning if there's any value to you guys. And I know there is to some of you because I have Patreons. But you don't have to pay to appreciate this show. I give you guys pretty much what I give the Patreons. Although I did just drop an episode called My Shit Box, which is actually pretty funny. I was laughing. That's me off the cuff. Anyway, car news and Devin Antrim coming up after this word from Four Wheel Online. Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about Four Wheel Online. For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. The truck products cover everything you need give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at 4 Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's 4Wheel Online, the number four wheel online. You know, speaking of 4Wheel Online, I've been working on my daily driver, my, my Infinity. You guys know I have an Infinity. V8 model, and I bought a bunch of parts for it over the last six months, and I've slowly been assembling it. Part of the reason why I'm not done is because it's so hot. It's starting to not be as hot in Arizona, but we broke records last month. Last month being July, it was the hottest month in history for the state of Arizona. And so, yeah, you don't really do much. You just stay inside all day. But I need to, there's, there's like one or two parts that even four-wheel online can give me. And I have my Infinity. It's an SUV, but it's damn near a car. You know, I don't know how to, I don't know if SUVs 
have to have six lugs to be functional, like a truck SUV. I think most of them might be five lugs. I don't think there's a modern SUV with four lugs. And if you guys know what, if you don't know what I'm talking about with lugs, I'm talking lug nuts or bolts that hold your wheel onto your car. And I think a lot of legit trucks have six or more. I don't know if like your average Toyota Tacoma, like that's a real truck. I don't know if it's a five or six lug pattern. <laughs> None of that matters. I apologize for even going down that rabbit hole with you guys. But, you know, like I said, I'm working on my daily driver. That's what what it's called. And in a uh, longtime listener, Q, it said, I never even knew what daily driver was. So I'll listen to your show. And now I know. So there's your education. But let's get into some car news. So the Gran Turismo movie is finally out. And this thing's making waves. A lot of people online are posting, especially on Facebook, because that's kind of where I get most of my news from peers. I know that sounds crazy. Don't judge because that comes with, I have an excuse for that. I don't get my news necessarily from Facebook, but when a friend of mine on Facebook has posted about their experience, hey, we just went to go see the movie. We just, this other person, I just went to go see the movie. That's what I mean. And it's valuable. There's listeners to this podcast that were talking about this that, you know, went and saw the the premiere a couple weeks ago. Hell, I was getting ready to go. I hit my little friend group up and I said, hey guys, who wants to go see Fast and Furious? Fast and Furious. <laughs> who wants to see Gran Turismo with me today? And a couple people said yes. And then the movie wasn't out yet. And that was a situational thing. I think my day was clear and that was spontaneous. And I've had plenty of opportunity, I think, to see it. Because you guys know if you follow me on social media, which there's no reason why you shouldn't, but if you follow me on social media, you know if a movie comes out and if it's something I really want to see, I go and see it usually the first weekend because I hate all the spoiler alerts that come online. The more in tune you are with online news and social media, the more likely someone's going to ruin it for you. And it doesn't have to be a peer. It could just be a channel. I spend a lot of time on YouTube. As I've said this before, watching things like reaction videos to movies and things like that, or just more information about things that I'm already into. And so I watch all the MCU shows on Disney Plus. I haven't seen this. Is it Osaka? Ohaska? The Rosario Dawson Jedi show. It's in the same universe, I think, as The Mandalorian. Of course, it's in the same universe. I haven't seen that yet. And it premiered this last week. Episode one or two came out. And some of my friends on Facebook are already talking about it. This is so disappointing or this, this, this. And I'm just like, man. And this is as soon as it comes out. So you go to YouTube and you see 500 Easter eggs revealed. What episode one and two really mean? I'm just like, so that's that's one of the reasons why I go and see shit that I want to see. If it's on streaming, I watch it within a day of it coming out. That episode I'm not a big binge watcher of modern things. I'll go back and watch something that was a binge. I'll binge a show that came out years ago because at that point it doesn't matter. Time for spoiler alerts is way past and it's my fault if I haven't checked it out. Because I think we were watching Secret Wars and by episode three, my wife, I don't know why she says this because we watch shit together all the time. You just have to watch it as soon as it comes out, don't you? You can't even wait. I'm like, you making fun of me? Or are you making an observation? Like, I don't understand what we're doing here. But yeah, I do have to watch it when it comes out because people spoil shit for me. So anyway, this Gran Turismo movie, it was hyped 
going back to maybe a year ago, right? Does that sound right? And I saw it, and it's got all these big names in it. And I'm just like, you know, I don't really, I wasn't as pushed or compelled to want to see this movie as bad as you would think I did. I came up like some of us on Gran Turismo 1 and 2 and 3, and then I didn't have a PlayStation because it was a PlayStation exclusive. I'm a PC gamer. No such thing as Gran Turismo or anything other than PlayStation. I don't know if that's still the case now, but that was definitely the case then. And so not being around a PlayStation meant, meant no Gran Turismo for me. And I've had friends that still play Gran Turismo, but eventually you stop hearing about Gran Turismo and you just hear about Forza and all these other games. I've played Test Drive Unlimited and Test Drive Unlimited 2 on PC, and it's one of my mo- the most fun video games with cars. It's almost like The Sims, but with cars. Because you have to do stuff even outside of cars. You build your houses, and there's a casino aspect, and just a bunch of silly shit. But I really wasn't that moved to watch this movie. Because most race car movies aren't very good. Ford v. Ferrari was less about Ford versus Ferrari than it was about relationships. Which is why the movie was so highly rated. It was a really solid movie. The 24-Hour War, which is brought to you by... Adam Carolla actually in Matthew Motorator DeAndrea and Chassis Media, that is a superior superior is a strong word. That is a much better film about Ford versus Ferrari than Ford V Ferrari with Matt Damon in it, in my opinion, and probably the opinion of many others if you've gone and watched that. And it took me forever to watch to watch the movie Rush about Nikki Lauda and James Hunt's Back and forth, which actually, thinking about it now, star two of the MCU's people before the MCU was really even a thing. I guess Rush came out in 2013 and the MCU was already out. So now I'm thinking, I'm watching a movie with Thor as a race car driver? I don't think so. Because I had seen Driven, which is not a good movie. I own Driven on DVD. Sylvester Stallone and that other kid... Sunshine or whatever from Remember the Titans, long-haired kid. I think that was him. Pretty sure that's him. And it was kind of a cool but really stupid movie. But when I watched Rush years later, I was like, this movie is really good. As evidenced by its 88% of Rotten Tomatoes. Because I don't really know much about Formula One history. I'll openly admit it. Don't know. So when I saw that movie, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually based on real people, this is legit. But then Gran Turismo comes out, and I'm one of those anti-hype people. I know that sounds really silly for someone like me who watches the MCU and all that shit. But the more and more people who wanted to watch it, the less I wanted to watch it, because I wanted to see, and I'm going to look it up. I still haven't looked it up right now. I like to give a movie a a solid weekend before I look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm still going to see it. But I want to I want people who aren't into cars to watch the movie and then say if it's really good, because I feel like we're so much part of the culture that it would have to be a really, really, really shitty movie for car people to not like the movie, if that's fair to say. But the feedback from the, all the car people is this is a really good movie. One person said, I didn't think I was going to like it, but it was a really good movie and I actually did like it. And that speaks more to me then because they're probably coming from the same thing. Because, you know, you watch Fast and Furious, you already know what to expect. 
And for people who haven't watched it as much, they're like, I stopped watching after the third one, or I stopped watching after the fifth one or the sixth one. Well, you already know that they're not going to watch Fast 10 or Fast 9 or Fast 8. Or they're, they've already checked out from something that's just so ostentatiously weird. But we, like, I go see Fast and Furious when it comes out every time, and I will because I know what to expect. I know it's going to be a lot of over-the-top action Everybody's a superhero now. Dom is invincible. He's probably an alien because nothing kills him or his car. You know what to expect. But Gran Turismo, it's I'm going to see the movie because I'm getting nothing but positive feedback on it. And I loved the game. It's almost like being in the Jordans. I grew up in the Jordan era where there would be one pair of Jordans. You get the white ones. You get the black ones. You get the third colorway. And then you get the Carolina ones. And that was it. Even before the Carolina ones, there was always a weird like purple and whatever. He did that from starting, I think, 93, 92, the hair Jordans. 92 Jordans are the first one that I remember that came, I guess the 89s with the number 23 on the side did too. Anyway, but there weren't like a gajillion of them. And we didn't buy Jordans to collect them or to sport them. Like we wore our Jordans. And so now you look at all these sneakerheads, and I apologize if some of you are sneakerheads. Some of you do it as a business. In fact, I talked to one of you guys, and I'm going to have you on the show, and it's going to be awesome because we're talking a diehard NSX guy who has a lot of NSX fame, and he's a sneakerhead, sells. That's how he makes all his money on the side is through sneakers. But I look at that as the Gran Turismo crowd is like, you guys have no idea. Kind of a disingenuous bullshit um, prejudice that I have. And I know it's stupid and I openly admit it. I need to get over it because it's dumb. It's baseless. It's idiotic. But it's the thought where you have no idea what it's really like. You never saw Jordan play. You don't know shit about Jordans. You think this is the coolest Jordan. This is a piece of shit. This shoe that's mashed up with 10 different things. I'm getting off track a little bit here. But when I... Think about Gran Turismo, I think of that too. So when this movie's coming out, I'm like, really? Because, and again, I'm judging because I haven't seen the movie, but even though this kid came up from Gran Turismo, I'm thinking this, again, as I have not seen the movie, there's no way he came off the first Gran Turismo. Those graphics suck. Or the second, maybe the third or the fourth or the fifth, which doesn't make it any less authentic in reality, but it does to me in a really stupid way that I'm willing to admit that that's just dumb. So anyway, that movie's out. It's all the rage right now. Hopefully by the next time I'm prepared to talk about it, I will have seen it. It won't be next weekend. I will see the movie for sure. I don't know if I'm going to go see it at the movies or if I'm going to watch it on streaming because these days things go from the theater to streaming fast. This comes from DuncanBanner.com. I also saw this on a few other publications. There is only one vehicle. There is only one vehicle today, brand new vehicle that you can buy in the United States that sells for under $20,000. That is the Mitsubishi Mirage. It says here, and I quote, the Mirage with hatchback and sedan versions costs less than half of what average U.S. new vehicles does. The average cost of a brand new vehicle in the United States is $48,000, which is 25% more than before the pandemic struck three years ago. 
Imagine that. You can't buy a brand new car for less than 20000 Think about the, the Versas, the Kia Rios. I swear those were like, the Kia Rio, I swear that's like a $12,000 car. It says here, five years ago, there were about a dozen small cars that were under $20,000. Five years ago. That's 2018. Five years ago, you can buy almost 12 cars or somewhere around 12 cars for under 20000 and now there's only the one. You know, I'll tell you guys, when it came to, like, we'll talk about my car, my NSX. Because everybody is paying premium. Sometimes you have to pay over sticker. It's the market. People get mad at car dealerships. They get mad, not at the dealerships, they get mad at the manufacturers. They'll say, we'll pick on Acura for a second. Acura is crazy, and I've had this conversation with some of you. This car cost 65000 And Acura, this is the, this is the technical issue with this argument. This is the technical discrepancy with this argument. Acura sells a car for 60,000. They're going to charge you 10,000 more. So now it's 70,000. They need to get their shit together. They're screwing everyone. I hate Acura. Acura is screwing everybody by charging $10,000 over when there's other options out there. You can buy this BMW. You can buy this Mercedes. You can buy this really nice Audi. All within the same price as they're charging you plus the $10,000 more. Now, here's the problem with that. The problem is, Acura was standing, same as many other manufacturers, they set the MSRP manufacturer's suggested retail price. None of them are putting that $10,000 on there. That is the dealership. And the dealerships are mostly independent. The manufacturer in today's world has no saying on what the dealership can do because the dealership is owned by an auto group that typically owns a bunch of different manufactured dealerships. So AutoNation, I don't know who all they own, but we'll just say for the sake of this conversation, AutoNation owns 42 Hyundai dealerships, 30 Acura dealerships, 15 Honda dealerships, 10 Audi dealerships, all underneath the AutoNation. Oh, General Motors and the Cadillac dealership. Those Cadillac dealerships underneath the AutoNation umbrella, and again, just as an example, I don't know the, the true statistics of who owns what, are different than, well, we'll use right Honda and right Toyota. They are Honda and Toyota, but they're owned by the David Wilson Automotive Group. The David Wilson Automotive Group owns, I don't know, a dozen or so dealerships, a lot of handful of Hondas, handful of Toyotas, and then I don't know whoever else they have, but they have other things out there. So if Wright Honda wants to charge you 5000 the market adjustment, which makes them the same as other cars in the market, other dealerships, the market adjustment, that is through the sole discretion of Wright Honda. So Honda of North America can't say, hey, Wright Honda, you're not allowed to do that. Honda North America can't legally even make that request, nor can they legally threaten them for doing that. Now, what they can do is say, we can allocate you this special vehicle. Under this special vehicle's allocation rules, which they try to do with the NSX, you're not allowed to sell this to your employees. And if you do, your employee is not allowed to sell this car for another year. 
And if they do that, then we can penalize you on future allocations. That's all they can do, whether they choose to do that or not. I know that Acura pulled some allocations from different dealerships about because of the new NSX, the twenty, the, the NSX that I have, the Type S, because they weren't honoring whatever this agreement is that Acura sent out. But that's all they could really do. But unfortunately, what happens is, so if you go to your local car dealership and you hate the service there, it's up to that dealership to fix that service. You can complain to corporate. Corporate will talk to the dealership, say, hey, your customers are upset. You need to fix this shit. But they really can't say, if you don't fix it, we're not giving you any more cars. Anyway, going full circle to this. The current version of the Mirage, which reached U.S. dealerships a decade ago, sold for an average of 19205 last month, according to data from Cox Automotive. Though a few other v- new models have started prices under 20000 their actual purchase price with options and shipping exceeded that figure. So there's, I don't know, this is one of those deals where it's like, you go to McDonald's, you go to fast food place, you go to Denny's, and they say, now you can get 10 meals for under 5 bucks. And they're all $4.99. That's five plus dollars. Maybe this is the same deal when they say it costs under $20,000. Because if it's priced at $19,300 after you get destination and after you pay whatever bullshit sales tax, and if it's over $20, then don't tell me it's under $20. It's over $20. So you can't really use that for your statistics. I mentioned the Kia Rio earlier. Let me read this part. Even as the Mirage appears to be phased out, some other cars and SUVs have an average sale prices of only slightly above twenty grand. They include the Kia Rio, like I said earlier, the Nissan Versa, I think I said that earlier, the Hyundai Venue, and the Nissan Sentra. According to Cox, their prices range from twenty thousand one hundred fifty-seven for the Rio to twenty-three nine nine four for the Sentra. That Kia Rio, you guys have seen that car, right? That looks like a twenty thousand dollar car to you. That looks like a twelve thousand dollar car to me. I think I said earlier, it's only like a $12,000 car. Let's find out. I just did a quick search, put you guys on hold. According to JD Power, which is a real thing under car ratings, it says the Kia Rio, when it first came out in 2011, sporting a new sporting a retail price at just above $12,000. The 2011 Kia Rio sedan or the five-door hatchback Kia Rio offers all the ingredients for thrifty motoring. That's a $12,000 car. Granted, that was 12 years ago. But you can't tell me that that piece of shit should cost more than $20,000. In fact, I'm looking at car and driver right now. The 2023 Kia Rio starts at $17,875. So what the fuck was that article saying about the Mirage is the only thing under twenty grand? Nothing that costs $17,875 with taxes is going to get over $20,000. There's not a $2,125 tax. Did I do the math right? $2,125? It's not a $2,125 tax on something like $17,875. What's the destination on that? $250? This article is bullshit. We're going to move on. And finally, there's a Nissan Sentra recall. There's recalls all the time for all sorts of vehicles. But as an average everyday vehicle, some of you probably have these. Nissan is recalling 236,000 of its 2020 to 2022 Sentra vehicles because the left tie rod and right tie rod may bend and break, causing drivers to lose steering control. This is according to USA Today. Either one or both of the front tie rods may deform under certain operating conditions, such as hitting a curb, Nissan said in a filing with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 
If the tie rod breaks, it can cause a loss of steering control and may increase the risk of a crash, the company said. Uh, no kidding. Usually, if a tie rod breaks, it can cause a loss of steering control and could also lead to a crash. That is quite obvious. Nissan, which will send notification letters to owners starting October 5th, expect October 5th, that's in a month and a half from now. Anyway, expects to have replacement parts available during winter 2023 to 2024, according to the NHTSA. Owners will be advised to contact their dealer if they should experience an off-center steering wheel or vibration. I'm sure they'll fix them anytime before then, and then a public service announcement out to their owners. What that really means is pay attention when you get letters in the mail from your vehicle manufacturers. You can always go to the NHTSA or whatever. NHTSA and look for recalls in your vehicle too. Searching for a recall is free online. You can actually say, does my vehicle have a recall on Google and it'll tell you. Get it serviced. I don't need any of you in your Nissan Sentras losing control of your car and crashing and dying. I need you all. And that is the car news. He is rent and review. Rent underscore and underscore review. Devin Antrim, he was in studio most recently, but he failed to mention that he has an Instagram page and he rents cars. We talked about his car rentals, we talked about his hookups, but we didn't talk about this. And so, welcome back. What's going on? Yeah, you know, I kind of forgot about that page. I have about about a half a dozen Instagram pages uh, that kind of range in, in different kind of segments of my life. So yeah, Rent and Review, that's a fairly new page for me. I'm um, just kind of talking about, yeah, my, my car rentals uh, in my day-to-day job and travel life as a traveling sales rep. Cool, man. So what did you rent recently? So my most recent one, uh, this was actually on a personal trip of mine, was a brand new, uh, with the update 2024, I believe, Jeep Wrangler. So had that out in Dallas, Texas, straight out of the Emerald Isle of National Rental Corps out of Dallas Love Field. Nice. And this thing was pretty sweet. Uh, you know, personally, I've never really been a huge Jeep guy, uh, specifically the Wranglers. I think they're a little bit overpriced, overrated, but they are fun. You know, kind of get where they fill the whole gap of being able to pull the top off, go cruising, that kind of stuff, off-roading if you're into that. So was this uh, a this two-door? pretty nice. It mm. was a four-door. Four-door hardtop, removable hardtop as well. So the Jeep that I had was in the Sahara trim which I'm honestly off the top of my head, not quite sure where that slides in in the whole trim level spectrum for the Jeep specifically, but it's, I think it's just one above your base model, if I, if I remember correctly. Your base Rubicon, I think, right? Wait, the top dog Rubicon, that's the top dog. That's, so the, it looks that's like, the big boy. Yeah, it looks like the range, according to car and drivers, from 33 to basically 90,000 in the Sahara. I think Wes would probably know because he actually recently had a Jeep. Um, but. Right. Probably, you're probably right. It's probably not the base model. Well, I mean, have you ever had a Jeep before? You ever rented a Wrangler before? I rented one a long time ago, and they just, at the time, they were lacking of the technology. And I know they're rugged vehicles, but I think even Jeep has got their head out of their ass now, at least have CarPlay and stuff like that. Like, what did this yeah. thing, what, tell me about this rental. So, so for this, this is my first Jeep I've ever rented, Wrangler specifically. I've rented uh, gladiators before. So kind of similar, you know, the truck uh-huh. platform on that same deal there. Um, you know, so yeah, certainly I agree with you on the front of technology, you know, the Jeep Wrangler always kind of sell short on that. 
especially in the last few years. Um, and I guess for 2024, uh, finding this out, driving this vehicle, they did a nice uh, refresh on the interior of this Jeep and gave you a bigger screen, a little more creature comforts. Um, so I was pretty impressed with that. Um, I like the styling, like the technology, the, the bigger screen was really nice. I think it had their updated user interface. Uh, the U, I think it's Uconnect still. Yes, those yeah, guys. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. So, it this this definitely checked that box. Kind of kind of moving into that. The the one thing that I always disliked about Jeeps though is more so related to uh, the powertrain. You know, they always mm. had. Uh, I think years ago was there was, there was four cylinders. There's always been six cylinders. You know, back in the day, the four liter V six. And I think they moved to the 3.7 V6 and then the Pentastar. Uh, this Jeep had a, I believe it was a new, uh, newer four-cylinder. I think it was turbocharged. Um, the fuel mileage still was not that impressive. Uh, my F-150 can can beat this thing at a at an MPG contest. Yeah, and I'm looking at this now. So, let's see, Jeep added, let me read this this brief thing. So the new base PHEV model is the Sport S, which starts at 51. Next comes the Willys at 56, and then the Sahara at 58. <laughs> yeah, so you had yeah. you had a nicer trim, but not the top trim, but it was pretty close. And I'll say this about DFW, especially National Rental Car DFW. There's some gems in that bullpen for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, they always have a quite a few quite a few nice rigs in the lawn. I mean, I've had out there, I've had everything from like a Nissan Armada in the Amarillo uh, to you know a Hemi Dodge Challenger RT. Uh, yeah, so they always I used have to a grab, pretty good mix. Sometimes they would the uh, porters or whatever they're called. They would drive the cars. Would park like a Camaro Two SS. <laughs> I've yeah, had that there. Yeah. There you go. Driven driven a couple of those Camaros. I do I do like the Camaro SS uh, from a from a motor performance standpoint. But a little harder to see out of. With yeah, those small windows. You can't see shit. Yeah. Blind spots galore. Well, is there anything about this that the listeners should know? Like, if I'm thinking about buying one, since yours is rent and review, your page, if I'm thinking about buying sure. a, a a Wrangler, and, you know, let's say that maybe I want to go off-roading, maybe I don't, but that's the cool vehicle to have, you know, should sure. I get one or should I not? And I know this is not in-depth, but just from, like, a normal car person point of view yeah i mean i think i think that kind of varies on a couple things you know i think i think jeep owners are kind of in one of two buckets or maybe a little bit both but i mean you're either you know a, a hardcore want to hit the trails on the weekend or, or whatever kind of person and you know a wrangler obviously fits that bill to a t uh or you know you're somebody that daily drives maybe doesn't even hit the trails at all but once a fun vehicle, they, you know, they don't want a convertible, you know, they're not trying to go convertible Mustang or something like that, but they want an SUV for the practicality and space. I think the Wrangler kind of fits into that in the way of it's a fun vehicle. I mean, I think you can certainly daily drive one of these. Now, the flip side is, you know, you're, you're losing a lot of, of functionality in the sense of, you know, not as great of MPGs as compared to another or road-friendly crossover like a Honda CRV or RAV4. But the trade-off is the fun factor. So, I mean, I think, you know, overall, my hot take would be certainly it'd be, it'd be a cool vehicle for somebody looking uh, for something fun, but also something that they can live with on a daily basis. Right. And the lack of, I mean, I'm sure it has some creature comforts, but it's a given that, you know, whatever you get from the Wrangler, even if it's a top of the line Rubicon, it's mm -hmm. not going to be a Cadillac Escalade. So that's, that's a given. But when it comes to, so you had the four door. 
you know, how oh, yeah. is the storage? Do you put the, the rear seats down and now you have extra space? Do they tuck away, fold away? Did you Do you experiment with anything like that when you look at that? You know, I didn't play with that too much, but I, I know that you can, you know, fold those down. Now, they don't go flat with the floor, but, you know, you certainly have some space between that. And if you wanted to, taking, you know, taking the top off altogether, you could throw some some Home Depot lumber in the back of that thing on the weekend or, you know, that kind of piece. Storage-wise in the cabin, I mean, really your only storage spaces for stuff is really the glove box and the center console. Um, you kind of have some net storage on the doors, you know, f- I guess for, you know, sunglasses or whatever. But there's not a whole lot of different nooks and crannies that most other traditional SUV crossovers have these days. Mm. If, you're uh, so a, that's kinda, if you're a family of four, let's say you're, a, yeah. you know, two adults and two teenagers no bikes, none of that shit. Is that something you may want to rent? Is there room for like a couple full size and a couple halves? Or, you know, is it really not as practical in that sense? Like you may want to own one, but you may not want to pick one up if you're renting a vehicle to do you know, too much of anything if there's, let's say, four full size adults. Yeah, I think I think if you're if you're carrying four full size adults and you're traveling on a trip somewhere, I think it's a great vehicle as a rental because again, you got you got some cargo room in the back behind the second row seats. Okay, it's it's roomy enough for at least four adults. I mean, five you might get a little more cramped in there. The one thing I will say like about the space getting into the Jeep or a Jeep is the door the door openings are not very big, mm. and it's kind of kind of cumbersome to step because you're stepping up into this you know Jeep here. And especially if there's no running board or steps, that's that kind of adds a little more level of difficulty too. So, if you have somebody that's you know a little more challenged in, in getting up like that, then I probably wouldn't recommend this kind of vehicle. But if you're you know going out with your young friends, whatever, yeah, you know they're gonna pile in, have a good time, and that kind of thing. But if you have car seats, that might not be an ideal situation either. Sure. I just again na- navigating, getting those things out of the in and out of the back seat. So those are some items to think about either renting or even owning in that regard. He is written review, rent underscore and underscore review. He is Devin Antrim, friend of the show. If you have any questions for him, you can hit him up on Instagram and we look forward to your next rental car review. Looking forward to it. I'll be picking one up tomorrow. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Jay, I appreciate you having me back on and uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure. Sounds good. I want to thank Devin Antrim for joining the show. A little show notes for you guys coming up next weekend. It is Labor Day weekend, and I don't typically drop an episode on Monday. It usually drops on Tuesday, so I will be dropping an episode. I'm going to try to get that recorded before I leave because I'm going to Minnesota on Tuesday night, and I'm going to go see my brother and my mother and some of my cousins. Like I don't have a big family. I've talked about that before. The bulk of what you see, 99.999 with a bar over the top of it on social media when I'm chilling with family, it's all on my wife's side. My wife's family, our kids, you know, but my side of the family, it's very little. And I don't know how many of you still do family unions and things. To me, family unions are a thing of the past, but maybe it's just my personal experience. Family unions are a thing of the past, and there's a ton of family reunions still going on. But we used to do family unions growing up. And now, you know, this is what I told my cousin, one of my favorite cousins. I have a lot of favorite cousins. But, you know, one of the favorite cousins on my dad's side specifically, she's it's Louise. And I don't know, I don't remember how old she is, but she's definitely older than me. 
She's always been significantly older than me, and she's the youngest of the three daughters. All very successful, by the way. But I told her at my father's funeral a couple years ago, our family's getting smaller. And I have cousins that I've never met and probably never will meet on that side of the family. It's just getting smaller. On my mother's side of the family, those are the cousins we're going to be staying with. And I have a ton of family on that side of the family that I'm never going to meet either. But there's more of them than on my father's side. And I don't know. It's just I got to make sure I see my mother and my brother once a year. And I don't think my mom's still ready to really travel. We're going to try to get her to come down here at some point. But here's the thing. In the summer, it's too fucking hot for her. She don't want any of this smoke. And most people don't. In the winter, it would be ideal to come to Arizona. But she lives in Minnesota. And they're two hours outside of the Twin Cities. Travel is a nightmare. I don't know if any of you, some of you actually, catching flights in the winter is a crapshoot. Either your local airport has a delay or your connecting flight has a delay or a flight gets canceled. If there's not something wrong with the airplane, there's something wrong with the weather, there's a weather delay, and I just can't get my mother to travel. I don't know what time of year would be great for her. She's doing things now, finally, for the first time. But, I mean, her her and my old man were married for almost 50 years. He passed two months to the day before their 50th anniversary. This was in 2020. Their anniversary is 1220. He, he passed on 1020. But it'll be exciting to see him. But I say all that to say that I'm going to try to drop an episode for you guys next week. I have not missed an episode. I've been doing this every week since January of 2021. In 2020, I was doing every two weeks. Every week you guys have gotten a podcast. Sometimes you get a bonus episode if it's the holidays. I stopped doing those because no one listens to them. The Patreons get their own episodes too. Shitbox, telling you guys. But it's our anniversary also, by the way, 19 years on September 4th. 19 years. Hasn't been easy. Of course not. 19 years. I want to thank Ray Honda and Wright Toyota, fourwheelonline.com, sell shop wireless services. Patreon business supporter, Korea Automotive, out of Winter Garden, Florida. Powell Construction, out of Michigan. Beak House, small home design, out of Ashburg, Virginia, and Traverse City, Michigan. Shaving success with Wes Tankersley, out of Boise, Idaho. You can catch me and Wes on One Drink Wednesday, typically every Wednesdays at 7 o'clock Pacific time. Join us for a virtual drink only on Instagram Live. If you want to be a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Optional, bonus audio, show swag etc etc helps me upgrade this studio pays for all this nice stuff that i'm sitting in front of gotta do a better desk i need to upgrade my desk i'm not counting on that we actually have the desks we have the desktops in the garage i just need to buy like the lift desks to put the thingies on i don't know if that makes any sense if it doesn't i apologize it's late thank you mark stoneman Catherine cox Eddie ramos richard Graves, byron jones bo jung alice Camina, drew bunkley and david garner if you're interested in picking up a Hard Parking Podcast shirt, again, go to hardparkingpod.com and go to the store. I've also opened up a Hard Parking channel on Instagram, which you can find. I've given away a ton of free shit lately. I've paid for that. Some of it's gone to other countries, so I don't mind shipping to other countries. It's a pain in the ass, but I'll do it. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning. Join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group. 
and tell everybody you know about this podcast. Give me a review if you haven't done a review. Don't sit back and think somebody else will do it. You do it. And while you're at it, make it as glowing as the email that I read earlier. I can't grow that. You're telling the world how great this show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. Izzy, send them home. Shut up! <laughs> now it's stripping time. Ain't nobody got time for that.